Welcome to TA1. I'm your host, legendary uh, semi-single at the moment, Randy Erickson. Paulette is uh, in Minnesota visiting her sister. Took her bike, a couple of paddle boards, some running clothes, and uh, getting that done because she realized after doing the Black Hills 100 that she had the Mata Hay 100 mountain bike race in like uh, three and a half weeks. So she's trying to get some of those miles in. So I'm here with the dog and the birds and the work and the getting ready, shooting the Tatanka 100 mountain bike race. Little mini sprint with John Garrigan Saturday night after that. And then getting ready for Cowboy Tough, which is like, what, seven, seven days away. Everybody's posting getting ready to go and having a good time so that's uh, what I'm doing so but you don't want to listen to me any more than that so we've got a really cool episode with Kyle Peter of Team Tech New and he'll walk us through tell us all the cool stuff he did at Expedition Alaska on their way to winning it so hell go fast take chances and listen to Kyle thanks for listening bye hello Hey Kyle, how are you doing? Good. A little tired, but doing good. Good. So, okay, here's the question I really want to know. How'd you get the bear home? Oh, bear. <laughs> well, here's here's an interesting fact about me is <laughs> I don't save any any awards or medals or race numbers or bibs or anything like that. Hmm. That's that's unusual. Why? I like to keep things, you know, simple and clean and, yeah, just uh, I have the memories and the experiences. I don't usually keep uh, the awards. Huh. Well, that's interesting, but makes life simple, doesn't it? Yeah, but not for Rob. <laughs> Rob's got uh, three bears to in Australia. <laughs> well, if you're going to take one to Australia, you might as well take three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> his, yeah. wife, his wife was on the third place team. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, Catherine. Oh, on on oh, I did. You know, actually, I didn't didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so that that makes an interesting question. Did they see each other any time during the race? Uh, actually, right at the end, like the last day or so. Yeah. Um, we kind of came through. Uh, we had a checkpoint that was a TA at the end of a paddle for her. So yeah. Yeah. Huh. And it was yeah. also interesting because he knew that they were taking um, a similar uh, route as we were, and he knew how dangerous it was. Um, so it was interesting when they were really delayed, along with all the other teams. Yeah. Um, he was definitely, you know, concerned um, about her safety. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with various people about when, when spouses are racing, even when you're not... And I find it interesting if, like when Paulette's been in Patagonia racing, I don't, not a care in the world, don't worry. But if I'm at the race, it's just, yeah. like, it's pins and needles the whole time. It's really weird. So, but, so congratulations. Thank you. So, um, what was, what was it really like? Well, <laughs> you know, it? when I talk to folks, um, an old teammate of mine asked me about it, and I said, you know, it was really similar to the last Raid the North Extreme and the Kootenays. Mm -hmm. So it was you know, very similar vegetation. So it's the Slide Alder and the Devil's Club, which 
are pretty thick, and, and if there's deadfall, it's really slow moving, pushing through all that. Um, big route choice. Um, and with the option of potentially picking a route that, that doesn't go through or you get cliffed out and you basically are in a position of you know, deciding what's safe or not. And you know, I think in all the pre-race communications and, and the four days we had there at the resort before we raced, it was really clear that these, this was going to be the nature of the race and we needed to kind of watch out over our, our safety and, and make these decisions depending on our own skills. Um, so really not the race for everybody, not a race for a beginner. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine being out there, uh, without, you know, Rob's precision navigation and, you know, a really capable team with Mary and Garrett having experience in the backcountry. Yeah. I can see. I mean, I can't imagine being on a two person team. You just, and you just have no safety factor. It seems like. Yeah, so there were two two-person teams. I know they had them team up for the glacier section, so they had oh, a person yeah. rope team. But yeah, with you know, I was talking to there's um, Boom Boom Pow was a um, team with two ladies yeah. who are fairly new to expedition adventure racing. They had done the Cowboy Tough last year. Yeah. That was their first long race, and then this one. And um, yeah, I mean, I think they had they had quite an adventure out there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just some some big river crossings, and uh, I know we got swept down in one river crossing. Um, you know, we were doing a, a little bit of a conga line, a little bit of a you know holding hands to get across, and and uh, we were going from one tree branch to the other to get across this river that was probably you know 15 feet wide or something, and we slipped and we all came off and we all swam, and luckily we all got hung up on trees on the opposite shore where we were trying to get to. But I, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine making some of these decisions without, you know, the collective experience that four people have coming into it. Yeah, well, and four people as experienced as you guys. So. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's definitely one of those races where I I knew it going into, it and I told friends, you know, it's more adventure than race, and I think that gets thrown out quite a bit. But uh, but really, we went into it saying, hey, we're going to carry heavier sleeping bags we're going to carry extra gear because us getting through this not hypothermic and safe is going to equal a good result and i think that's where a lot of the talk goes to like is this race going to be like the races of old of eco challenge and raid galois and you know maybe primal quest and things like that and and i think you know what what the race director dave was going after is is giving us true you know wilderness challenges and he definitely did that yeah, I, it, it certainly looks like it, um, which to me asks the question, is is there enough people that want to do that? Having seen the first year, now everybody knows what it's really going to be yeah. like. <laughs> do you th- and and I'm, I'm sure there's enough crazies out there that are thinking, oh, man, can't wait till next year. But um, so it, it will be interesting to see from that. Um, would you go next year? Would you do it again? Yeah, I would, and I, there was a lot of people that were really excited about this race, people that did it, yeah. and people that were following along, and I think there is a need, um, you know, bring some more adventure back into the adventure racing, yeah. and, you know, I know this is the style of racing most of our Canadian friends like, they like the big route choice, they like the bush, I mean, we were not on trails very much, yeah. um, and the ones we were on, we maybe necessarily weren't expecting to be on, so... Um, 
Yeah, I think I think the sport needs this along with um, you know races that are maybe a little more straightforward, cut and dry. Yeah. Um, you know, we're off next week now. Mary and I are doing a double header with with the Cowboy Tough, and yeah, I wouldn't. I couldn't pick two more different races yeah. than <laughs> Expedition Alaska and, you know, the last two years of Cowboy Tough. Yeah. So, and I like them both. And, yeah. you know, some people maybe will shy away from one or the other, but I like them both. And I feel like there's racers that, that will like one or the other, and they'll, those are the ones they'll pick to do next year. So, Well, I think the good news for you guys is Cowboy Tough is going to be Cowboy Tougher this year, so... Um, yeah, that's, I, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get eight hours of sleep any night. You know, he said that on year two, though, he said, and it was actually shorter than year one every day. Yeah, so, well, well, we'll, 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 know, we'll know in about eight days, won't we? Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I'm, gonna, I'm asking some kind of basic questions, but, but quite honestly, we, we have – heard much about the race really things yeah, are, no, I, are really starting to come out now yeah um, i mean we literally um we got i got home yesterday we finished the race with that mount seward run mm-hmm. had a little dinner and award ceremony and we're bussed off just just sunday night yeah and so people traveled yesterday or today even so yeah yeah, yeah. so we're still all sleep deprived and hungry and all that so it it takes a bit of energy to get race reports out and all that, but uh, yeah, and it and it was really. I actually talked to Chris Radcliffe today, and he said it was just almost impossible to get to get information out during the race. So um, it really will be kind of cool to see. I mean, like on attack point, <laughs> a lot of questions what was going on. So yeah, yeah. You know, hopefully that those things will start getting answered. But um, yeah, I think so, someone nailed it nailed it on the head. You know the. The race staff really use their resources to take care of of the racers and yep. the course, and that's exactly what happened. And um, you know, Dave's done some expeditions, but he can learn a lot. He's got a good team behind him, and I could see him kind of sharpening up some of those edges that might be a little not quite as sharp as we see with some of the other World Series races. But yeah. he has he has the passion and all that behind uh, the race course itself, which I think is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like from talking to Chris, if he'd had a half a dozen more volunteers, would have made a huge difference. But yeah. and, and Chris said the same thing that you guys came first and and really didn't have any any issues with any of the, you know, he said everything was there on time and you know things went good from that way. So you know yeah. that is what is important. Not us, not us people back looking at dots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. So did. Talk, actually walk us through the race because, quite honestly, you, you know all we heard about is the glacier and yeah. some paddling. <laughs> yeah. So leg leg one was um, we used a Garmin or a GPS uh, track to get through there, mm-hmm. just basically to keep us in the. Um, I think the way the race director phrased it was, uh, in the crevasse less areas, not the crevasse more areas. But they're not, <laughs> but they're not crevasseless, as, yeah. we, as we all we found out. Yeah. So that was a 45-mile leg on foot. Um, we started with a 12-mile trail run around a nice alpine lake, 
and then worked our way up into the glacier, um, which seems like glaciers aren't always the easiest things to get to. They're kind of like these nasty, icy falls on the top of steep valleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we roped up, um, which which was pretty interesting. You know, we did spend uh, the good chunk of two days before the race learning how to do crevasse rescue and work on a rope team and all that. So it was fairly new to the four of us, but, you know, we had a little bit of experience here and there. And um, we felt pretty comfortable with the the class and we felt confident to go over the terrain, you know, if there's any question whether or not that was acceptable. And in terms of glacier travel goes, I mean, from reading uh, different trip accounts and seeing what we came across, mm-hmm. this was beginner level glacier travel, um, but still not completely, you know, wanded the night before to make sure there's no, you know, loose snow bridges or anything like that. So, you know, we started with the glacier. It was really hard to get through it was just a crevasse mess like it was what i imagine uh that mega ice fall when you go up everest was all about the mm. boom yeah, ice fall kumba kumba yeah yeah and uh, uh, i mean it was really fun to get through yeah um you know definitely some little problems to solve through there but once we got on top it was basically walking really gradual snow slopes and i guess that's where the danger of falling through a crevasse is greater because you don't see them mm-hmm um, but yeah, we worked our way through there and, uh, you know, we had a, a sunset that lasted four hours, which is really cool. I mean, cool. it's like a adventure racing paradise. Basically it would get, it would, we would have twilight from maybe 1am to 3am. And so what that means is if you're in the trees or it's heavily overcast, you need a headlamp to read a map or to see some more detail, but. Um, you know, for the most part, it's light, and uh, that op- really opens up possibilities with pack crafting rivers at night, cl- crossing glaciers at night. Uh, so we had a pretty steep, precarious descent off the mountain when we were done with that glacier, and um, came into TA1 pretty banged up from wearing mountaineering boots for such a long time. And yeah. um, I actually took off my mountaineering boots the last couple miles on pavement, and walked in in my socks, <laughs> and yeah, my feet were pretty sore. Um, but then we were transitioning to another 24-hour trek, which uh, basically puts that at two days on our feet. So yeah. we decided to rest. Um, we really didn't want to spend too much time sleeping out in the course because of the bears. We had to um, sort out all of our food and throw it over a tree on a rope. So we really didn't want to have to sleep out in the course. So, which is kind of kind of different, really, right? Yeah, for sure, sure, because it's the grizzlies. I mean, you know, black bears, we had great bear training before the race too, and, you know, the black bears, they're big and and mean and all that, but you can be aggressive and scare them away most of the time, whereas the grizzly, uh, it doesn't work so well on him. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) So, yeah, um, we took some rest. Um, I think there was a little bit of question mark how I would recover because my feet were pretty sore and I was hobbling in pretty good. Um, but we started off on the next leg, uh, which was billed as the soul crusher. Uh, Dave, the race director, called it. And we had heard reports of uh, Mike Closure moving while testing, moving at uh, one kilometer an hour for 18 hours. Oh. Um, we had heard the advice of doing the leg trekking in our dry suits because it was so cold and wet and, and nasty. 
Uh, and we there was a major route choice um, about halfway through. Oh, this also involved pack rafting on uh, lakes that had icebergs floating in them. Pretty cool. Yeah. Actually, one of the checkpoints was to, to get up on one of the icebergs in a lake. It's interesting. Yeah. Did you, what, were you able to climb it or did you need gear? Well, it was just, there was one we found that had a nice little boat ramp looking thing. And, you know, it was only, the top of it was only 10 feet tall, 10 feet wide. So, yeah, Rob just kind of scooted up in there and yeah. mentioned how cold it was. <laughs> <Got back. laughs> but, yeah, that's a, that's a chunk of ice floating in 32 degree water. Yeah, I'll bet you that is really cold, isn't it? Yeah, that there's something about the Alaskan water. It is very cold, and it's you know we've we've all been in cold water, and that's kind of one of the things with adventure racing. Yeah, uh, you always find yourselves in cold water, but it's it's no joke up there, and that's you know that's why the dry suits were recommended. Um, mm. And when you're pack rafting, trekking, pack rafting, trekking, you know each one of those transitions in real life, you know can take thirty minutes. Yeah, and so if you're doing that five six times in a leg, I mean that's three hours. So. Uh, we chose, you know, to keep our dry suits on quite a bit, and I was afraid I was going to get hot in some of the bushwhack climbs, but uh, it really doesn't happen because you're kind of wet and clammy underneath anyway. So yeah. you kind of go back and forth from from being hot to being cold to eventually just being really, really cold for about <laughs> eight eight or ten hours on this leg. So we came to a section where there was maybe four uh, clear route choices. There was a large uh, ridge. And there was a drainage on either side of it. And those were like the three main route choices to get up to yeah. the main ridge and then back down off the other side to the TA. Um, only about six or seven teams of the 20-some attempted this. Uh, there was a, a bailout option um, that Dave recommended for you know kind of like middle of the pack and below teams to take, which they skipped this and they pack rafted down. Uh, and continued on and skipped skipped a couple legs as well. So, um, you know, he he made it very clear that this was a challenging section. It, it took some really uh, good route finding. There was a lot of like getting down, you know, cliff cliffed out sections. Um, so we chose the the ridge option, which I was pretty much against at first. Thinking back to the raid the north and the Kootenays, where I remember all the teams that took ridges got helicopter rides. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, teams that stayed in the valleys, even though sometimes the valleys got steep enough where they didn't look like they were passable, there was always some vegetation to use. Um, but we did a little research before the race um, and read a rip, uh, trip report of someone um, going the opposite way on that ridge. So we knew it was passable by somebody. Um, and the fear, uh, the fear of the valleys was the vegetation would just be so thick, and that's where we yeah. figured the one kilometer an hour that Mike Closure had was, was experienced in. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you a question. So you read a report about that. Is that like a real confidence or booster? Like somebody went through here, so we know we can. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's, no, there's no secret. Once these kind of big routes are kind of put up, route choices you know the racers are, are talking to friends or talking amongst each other yeah you want to know what's passable what isn't yeah. uh, it reminds me of the start of uh expedition africa a few years ago there was a major choice 
on how to get down from the Les Foso plateau. Um, there was one pass that seemed like, oh, maybe you need some climbing gear to get down it. Um, but all the local teams knew it was doable. Mm-hmm. Whereas all of the international teams thought that maybe it wasn't doable and they learned that, oh, there's a trail run, trail running race that takes this other pass. So we figured, well, let's just run trails all the way around. Well, it turns out those trails were not very runnable and the best option was. So, yeah, there's, there's always this kind of question, um, especially these big route choices that can make a difference of six, yeah. 12 hours. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's always a bit of research and, and talking amongst teams and, and seeing if you can get any beta and what beta you can trust. Yeah. So, so yeah, it turns, out, turns out the ridge um, maybe wasn't the best best option as compared to one of the drainages, but it's hard to tell because we didn't have the cleanest approach. We got up and it was basically a very steep cliffside with a lot of vegetation. So we were just going from tree to tree to tree. Mm-hmm. Got up to the top. It was kind of a snowy, wet, cold, windy ridge that we climbed for a while. And at a certain point, we started a traverse to the pass we wanted to get to on the right side of the ridge. And we looked ahead and we saw, like, oh, there's some rocks, there's some cliffs, but I, th- I think we'll get a way through there. Who knows? We might even find a path. Um, well, typically when you see vegetation on a hillside, you can get through. You can use it and safely traverse steep terrain with vegetation. Well, yeah. in Alaska, they have this stuff that none of us have, have experienced before called the tundra. And the tundra is just as slick as ice when it's wet. Hmm. And so we were traversing on greater than 45 degree slopes on this tundra with no ice axes or anything like that, which an ice axe would have been good in this, this soil. Um, and basically our handholds were little grasses that were pulling out. And we would continually come across you know, essentially unmapped drainages that were huge gorges we'd have to go down and out of. Um, we crossed a couple of those that it was just, I'm sure our heart rates were the highest of the whole race doing that. Um, we kind of got to a point where it's like, this isn't going to go, you know, and at the time you're racing, you figure, oh, every other team is running along another route just fine. And, and they're hours ahead of us. Of course. Yeah. So we decided to get back up on top of the ridge. Um, I'm, I'm spending time here on this leg cause this was pretty crucial. I can, yeah. Oh, that's fine yeah this, this is this is what everybody wants to yeah. know <laughs> okay. so then the plan was to as safe as we can climb up this this really steep ridge um and you know trying to go from alder bush to alder bush because those alder bushes those are strong as a rock i mean we were repelling off of those branches hmm. and so we got uh we got up to the ridge and came across quite a bit of snow we didn't have crampons it was not the most friendly snow like we could kind of kick a little bit of a step in but if we were to slip you know i asked the team i said if we slip could you guys self-arrest yourself with you know your hands and your feet and your backpack or whatever and i think mary said yes and rob not as comfortable in the snow and also looking at the consequences of a fall there like rob is the most sure-footed human I've ever seen and my teammates would all agree with me. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Garrett actually mentioned he's just in passing one day. He's like jumped across a river and some slippery stuff. And he was like already 20 meters ahead of us. And Garrett looked at me and goes, 
He's the most sure-footed mofo I've ever seen, but he said the full thing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just cracking up because it's really, yeah. So so when Rob is, is using some caution, you know it's it's some sketchy terrain. Um, so, we, yeah, we just we must have crossed 12 snowfields with no ice axe. Uh, Mary had some, some shoes with a really good sole. She was able to kick some good steps for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we made our way across. I think at one point I saw Rob grab a sharp rock and was ho- holding onto that to potentially arrest a fall. Himself. <laughs> uh, some little Cthulhu, uh micro spikes or yak tracks would have been yeah. amazing for this section. Huh. So now we it's still raining. We're freezing. We're wearing dry suits. We're wet inside. We're wet outside. You know, we're, we're in pretty rough shape. And, and I would say we're hypothermic at this point. Yeah. Um, but looking at our options, now we're totally, uh, it's a total whiteout. So we've kind of lost all frame of reference, like where the top of the ridge is, where the passes we're going to. Um, meanwhile, there's a, there's a huge glacier to our right that's like calving off, and we hear these huge avalanches. And it's the real deal for sure. And at any given time here, if we were to slip, I would say 50% of those slips would end with a fatal fall. Oh. For sure. So this was the most sketchy, dangerous part of the whole course. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dave warned us about that. And like I said, only six or seven of the teams went this way. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, you know, after crossing 12 of these sketchy snowfields, we made it to the pass in a little snowfield at the top um, in a whiteout. And then we worked our way down a cliff, which was supposed to be the most challenging portion of the section um down these cliff sides back down to to the ocean and the next transition area and we picked our way through there pretty slowly but safely and i think this is the main area that got all the other teams held up for you know an extra 15 to 30 hours and they ha- they were in whiteout as well and they could not tell how steep you know their little down climbs were in front of them yeah because essentially what you're doing is you'd stand on something firm, you'd look around, and you'd basically traverse over to the next 10, 20-foot easy down climb. You get down, you traverse over, you find the next one. That's how you get down these these cliffs. It's not like a sheer cliff like yeah. you're looking at uh, something in Yosemite Valley. And, we yeah, we made it down there, and you know we put in a, a, another great trail. Hopefully a lot of the teams got to use to get out of there. Um and we put in on probably the most fun pack rafting section of the race. It only lasted yeah. maybe five or ten minutes, but it was great big, pushy white water out into uh, the ocean. And we paddled into the TA. Um, and so now we've gone, now we're going into night three with only yeah. um, sleep on the morning of day two, which wasn't yeah. the best sleep. Yeah, how long did that? How long did the trek take you then? Yeah, so we had planned 24 hours. It took us about 32 hours. Wow, and that was the the fastest time through there. Hmm. Amazing. So. Yeah, so we we did um, a nice sea kayak, um, a loop in the bay right there. Um, it was a little bit of a challenge to keep ourselves awake, but we really wanted to get that out of the way, and take our rest before the next section, which was a 55-mile trek slash pack raft, which, again, you know, we, we got a little short little eight-hour break kayaking, but, again, now we're going into the third trekking leg. Yeah. So super, super trek-heavy 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, not a whole lot of running, but just heavy backpacks. I mean, when we were loaded up with a day's worth of food, uh, the pack rafts, dry suit, mandatory gear, these these packs are, are heavy. You saw my pack leaving for that two-day trek in Costa Rica. Yep. Bigger than that, Randy. Wow. All That's a, Yeah, and I bet you used, well, and you used everything, right? You know, we really did. Yeah, I had one fleece with me for seven days that, uh, I didn't wear until uh, I flew home. <laughs> it was my last piece of last piece of dry clothing. So, uh, uh, I was getting a hard time for not wearing a Techno shirt in the awards picture, but uh, they were all pretty wet and and used by then. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. That's there's nothing worse. Quick, just a little aside. Coming back from Ecuador, I'd been waiting till the last day because I had one pair clean pair of pants left. Yeah, I went to look for them. It's like. Ah oh, no, I didn't bring them. I didn't think I'd need them. <laughs> and yeah. it's just kind of like, ah, oh, I really wanted to be clean. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so that's good. You had at least a clean shirt. Yeah, that was good. But yeah, we, heavy packs, and yeah, we used all the gear. So that, uh, let's see, we're on leg four here. We had a really cool section with um, paddling in some more um, really high glacier-fed lakes, super mm-hmm. cold. And some really nice pack rafting and, and rivers that were, you know, big and wide, like great class one, two, nothing to really scare you that much, but enough to keep paying attention and paddle out of the strainers and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and then some good old-fashioned bushwhacking. Uh, we had a bit of a trail run. And then um, as, as the sun was setting, we had a really cool pack raft um, down to – uh, a whitewater rafting section, which we arrived at while it was a dark zone, and dark zones in quotes because you know it's not really it dark. Dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this river, um, Six Mile Creek, we got to raft on, is the most technical or difficult river in Alaska. Oh. It is. It's a canyon, so it it has three different canyons. They slot up really narrow, and it's super technical. So. You know, a lot of times when you do whitewater paddling, we had a guide, of course. Yeah, this, yeah. Um, you know, they tell you to paddle. You paddle hard. You go through the stuff. You get wet. It's all fun. He yeah. was doing maneuvers back there like a mountain bike trials rider. Like really? he was bounce off this rock just like that, paddle three times, reverse paddle. And, he's, you know, it's just it was unbelievable, this guy's uh, ability to get us through there. And um, we did great. They had an interesting little thing. You know, they give us a safety talk. Uh, we wore dry suits, and they had a swim about 100, 200 meters just to kind of show that we could get into the current and out of the current, um, and no one, no one failed that. And then yeah, we hopped in a boat. We had a couple other guys join us um, to make six of us and then our river guide. And our uh, river guide was named John Brown from Crested Butte, but not the John Brown yeah. from Crested Butte. That, uh, not that one, huh? <laughs> is the adventure racer, yeah. He yeah. knows him. Oh yeah, uh, yeah and th- man, this rafting—it was—it was really a highlight. I mean, you know, they—I don't know. Sometimes they overtalk the safety stuff, so it gets you a little scared. Yeah. But this—this this seemed pretty, pretty real. Like if we were to swim, ah man. I mean, I swam a class five on the Picari in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was maybe it was the cold. How cold this river was, it kind of took things up to the next level. And they had, you know, I mean, they had safety boats. They had someone hike in three different times on the shore for to have extra safety. I mean, they had it dialed. And then the last, uh, the last maybe 300, 400 meters, they had us jump out of the raft and swim. 
um, into the uh, the takeout, which was pretty cold. But it's amazing how those dry suits work. It was my first time really with a dry suit. And this one, we yeah. used the guy, the outfitter's dry suit. We didn't use the ones we had been bushwhacking in for two days. Because <laughs> <laughs> these ones actually kept you dry, dry. Which, which was pretty nice. So, cool. Oh, and, and then uh, then this was the, the transition to bike. But uh, Dave had another little trick up his sleeve. And he actually put our bikes up and over a 4,000-foot climb uh, with some really tough bushwhacking. So, you know, we saw that on the map. But you look at the map and you're like, oh, I'll just grab, you know, a candy bar and a bottle of water and we'll be there in no time. Well, four or six hours later, we finally got over this mountain uh, and got to our bikes. And, of course, Dave says, oh, I wasn't just doing that to be heinous. Didn't you see the view up there? And, yeah, it was a pretty nice view, but um, we probably could have gotten to that view on our bike somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably weren't really enjoying it that much either, were you? Oh, shoot. I mean, four days on... I mean, I feel like the adventure racer's strength is the fact that he can recover from one sport while he's doing yeah. the other sport. And we just didn't really get that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. All that time on your feet. Cause yeah. Yeah. Normally there'd have been a one or two bikes in between there. Or, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. So, huh. so yeah, we finally got to our bikes and we biked the, um, resolution trail, which is one of the, you know, classic rides in Alaska and, Actually, all three trails, rides we did were on the most amazing single track. Um, some of it more technical than others, but all of it completely rideable. And the first thing I thought of when we're going to Alaska and we're doing a little bit of biking, it's either A, going to be on dirt roads and boring, yeah. or B, it's going to be so technical on hiking trails, it's not even going to be fun. Yeah. But yeah, it turns out this resolution trail was just phenomenal. I mean, we did a gradual climb over 20 miles, and the time just went by like nothing and we got up to the high point and they had a whole film crew out there which was pretty impressive um you know the university of cincinnati yeah. kids were out there filming us doing interviews uh, and then yeah we descended down to kenai lake uh, and at this point you know we're starting to feel like hey we got the majority of this race behind us we're kind of seeing the home stretch but the way dave sets up his courses there's essentially an unlimited amount of sections and he wants mm -hmm. everybody to finish at the same time, Saturday yeah. evening in Seward. Uh, and then the idea is we all shower, sleep, wake up, and do this, this 5K run up this mountain called yeah. uh, Mount Marathon. Yeah. So, yeah, but we're starting to see the finish line, but we're still not quite sure. Like, well, what is he going to throw at us here at the next, you know, next TA? We're going to just keep spinning our wheels forever, and there's no end in sight. But, uh, you know, we took some more rest here. We got tons of rest in this race. We kind of had an idea, you know, that we had at least a half day, day's lead. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we raced smart and took rest, a lot of extra rest. Didn't quite get the, the training that we wanted to in terms of racing at the World Championships. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't really simulate, you know, coming into TA on day four, tired and having five teams up your butt and three teams in front of you to go catch. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, not quite not the pressure. Yeah, yeah, and with you know, with Marco, um, it's probably the biggest news from the race: falling into a crevasse and yeah. dislocating his shoulders and needing to be rescued. Yeah, with Columbia out and the yoga slackers getting behind on that second stage, um, and then also the Canadian team losing a teammate and kind of doing their own course. 
um, yeah, we lost a lot of our, our big competition pretty early on, which was unfortunate. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't more, or I, what I'm saying, the finish rate was really good. Well, everybody finished. Everybody yeah. finished. So no matter what, you know, you get you, you get, get to the finish line. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, even Columbia missing a teammate got a finishing place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So this we got to Kenai Lake, which is a beautiful lake. I mean, you guys could look up pictures of that and uh, just see what we paddled and uh, just constant. I mean, the scenery was just amazing. I mean, constantly looking at snow-capped mountains that most of the time had a, a layer of cloud over them, but every now and then they'd break through and uh, just, just breathtaking views and cold, cold water. Um, so another, we were in sea kayaks again, those, those Necky Amaraks. Yeah. Um, paddled the length of the lake and got out and got what initially seemed like the most confusing instructions ever on how to proceed through the course. But essentially, we loaded backpacks with every single belonging. So we left on bikes with our pack rafting gear and trekking gear and a day's worth of food. So this, this was a new record for how much gear can be carried by a team of four. I mean, <laughs> our gear bins were empty. There was nothing left but like wrappers huh. and a few pairs of used socks. It was crazy. Huh. So we biked, yeah, we biked down a ways, um, dropped off our bikes, did a little out and back trek to a really cool uh, rickety bridge that was made with, Pea cord and pine bows. Wow. <laughs> and Rob, Rob scrambled across there to get the checkpoint. And, checkpoint. Sent yeah. the little guy, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Rob <laughs> sure-footed one, remember? There you go, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, yeah, that was interesting. We ran into some, um, some gold miners out there that had a huge gun, and apparently they said their gun works, my bear spray wouldn't. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they thought we were silly to be out there without a gun. Huh. And then, um, then we pack rafted another river that was really cool. I think it's called the Exit Glacier River. Um, and it was one of those braided streams where there's just braids everywhere. And I know I heard accounts of teams getting separated on this river because you, you know, it's kind of hard to control yourself <laughs> when you're going down a river. Um, and uh, actually, we had our first, first person fall out of the boat here. Rob, Rob fell out. And uh, Mary didn't even realize. So Rob pops up out of the water and sees Mary paddling away from him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he got back in. It was a little chilly. He, he's most disappointed that his GoPro didn't record it. Uh, oh. he, had it he had it on when he fell out, but it didn't record. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then we got to um, – Sew now we're in Seward. And mm -hmm. now the last task is, is to do a couple mountain bike rides. So we biked – on the Lost Lake Trail, which again is more technical than the Resolution Trail, but all all rideable. Um, we saw a couple moose on that. Um, we saw one black bear during the race. Um, no grizzlies. We saw a few bald eagle. Saw a lot of beavers. And I'm not sure what this is. I told everybody we saw a sea beaver, but maybe someone can figure out what it was. But it was an animal that looked like a beaver, had a beaver tail. And was in the ocean, huh. and it was pretty cool. So I don't know if they, you know, they work with rocks or something instead of sticks. But interesting, uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have to look it up and put a link in the show notes or something if we figure out what it is. Yeah, so we, we called it a sea beaver. That's, <laughs> That's good enough. I'll, yeah. I'll go with that. 
Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, we saw a couple moose on this ride, and um, I think we, uh, oh, yeah, so we popped out. It was right around the twilight, twilight time. We popped through the fog um, on this little ridge, and it was probably my favorite view of the whole race, just all these, again, snow-capped peaks, glaciers poking out here and there. It's just the views in this race when when the clouds lifted were just unrealistic, and I would say they rivaled Switzerland's views, hmm. and those are pretty big mountains there. But yeah. but it's kind of cool. It's, you're so high north, you know, latitude that you don't need ten thousand, fifteen thousand foot peaks to see the stuff that normally lives up that high. So we're looking at three thousand foot peaks, but looking at something that looks like, uh, you know, the Alps. Yeah. Well, plus they're coming from sea level. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So. Yes. Did you ever say to yourself, oh, wow, another really cool view. Did it oh. ever get old looking at stuff? It it never, no, it never got old. I mean, the view, you know, I've talked about like the view just kind of fueling your spirit to, to keep moving forward. And that's totally yeah. what it was. I mean, uh, nonstop. And I know a lot of adventure racers, I know we do at least, is we kind of play games with letting our like eyes play tricks on us and what we see. Um, like, oh, look at, you know, look at the duck on the hillside or something like that. And, and uh, I know one time we were racing and we were in boats and I had a bearing and I told the team, I said, okay, we're going just to the left of the T-Rex getting eaten by the Bronchiosaurus. And the whole team was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where we're where going. <laughs> we're just looking at stuff in the trees and your eyes. Yeah. Well, so Alaska had tons of that because all the, all the snow fields, you know, kind of popped out in these different shapes and we just – it's a fun way to pass the time. You just yeah. let your mind wander on these different things. You know, as long as someone knows which direction we're going, it's fun to kind of just relax and, and let your mind go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the yeah. view's just just phenomenal. I mean, this is why people go here on cruises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, picked certainly picked a good spot for a race, right? I would say so. And you know, I was looking yeah. at a, um, an atlas. I had to go back to work today, which was interesting. But I saw. <laughs> The U.S. map on the wall, I was looking at Alaska, and I was showing some coworkers where we went, you know, kind of from A to B. And typically when I do that on a state, it's like a pretty good chunk of the state. Like if I show a Cowboy Tough race, it's like yeah. half of Wyoming. Yeah. But I showed where we went from A to B here, and it is like not even 5% of Alaska <laughs> that we saw. So it's a big state with, with a yeah. lot a lot more to explore. And, and uh, yeah, I definitely want to go back there. I mean... I've wanted to go to Alaska since probably before high school. I remember my buddy Danny Leonard, we would always talk about, you know, we're going to go to Alaska and just have have an adventure and explore. And uh, this was my first time there, and it definitely won't be my last time. Oh, cool. So you had one, you had two bikes out of Seward then? Yeah, so, well, kind of, were. it was one bike with a little bit of a pause in the middle, yeah. and that's where Rob got to see Catherine and all that, and... Yeah. Second ride was on the Iditarod Trail, hmm. and so the Iditarod Trail starts in Seward. That's mile zero, and that was yeah. that was our finish line for um, for Saturday night. And so we biked uh, the Iditarod Trail, which is really fun. Um, basically, constant rolling terrain. It was really cool just to think about. Wow, this place is covered with snow, and there's all these really fast dogs that pull their sleds through here, and that was pretty cool. And and uh, you know, I've had some experience dog sledding um, when I was younger, so that was yeah. a pretty neat experience to think about that for me. 
Uh, yeah, we made it into Seward. Um, of course, we thought we were going to get home pretty easy as we got off the trail and started to hit dirt roads. But those dirt roads took us to about seven of the coldest river crossings ever. <laughs> um, and uh, Oh, I should also mention, I was packing up my bike the night before Alaska and, and saw oh, a pretty yeah. fatal crack in my rear triangle, um, yeah. which I'm glad I found it before and not yeah, during the yeah. risk. I mean, I could break, basically break the tube in half with my hand by pushing on it. So I rented a bike um, in Anchorage, which <laughs> it was a fine bike. It was just... Yeah. Um, Not your bike. bike. Yeah, it was quite a bit heavier, which I didn't really notice while riding. But on those river crossings, I definitely noticed uh, the heavier bike. And I'm glad yeah. we didn't have big pu uh, push-a-bikes or hike-a-bikes, because that would have been yeah. hard. But yeah, we, we made it through all those river crossings and pedaled around uh, the bay there in Seward, came to the zero-mile marker, and uh, got our picture taken, and uh, headed off to a hotel, and the next morning we woke up, and we started uh, our own version of the Mount Marathon. So the Mount Marathon, it's not a marathon. Marathon no. is the name of the mountain. So it's a run. I guess the history is it was two fishermen, who was stronger or whatever, two blokes sitting in a bar and they bar. decided to run up this mountain and there's no trails there's an up route and a down route and it's basically going straight up little cliffy sections and scree mm. uh, but it's really fast fun scree to run you can go really fast so our buddy Killian won it um, on Saturday set a new course record and his girlfriend won the woman's um, as well and it's funny as we were finishing I saw someone wearing a Solomon jacket walking down the street and I just wanted to stop and say hi and ask about, like, oh, what race is going on now? And, and it happened to be Emily, uh, Killian's mm -hmm. girlfriend, who won the race. And so that was pretty cool to meet, meet her yeah. um, as we were coming in to finish our race. Um, yeah, so we did that uh, the next day. We kind of took it easy. We actually, they said go, and, and we had pastries and coffees and everything in our hand. And I was pretty surprised. Like, the majority of the pack took off running pretty mm -hmm. hard. Um, but we kind of trotted through town, got up on the mountain, um, and just enjoyed it, spent some time at the top. I mean, the views from the top are just amazing with the ocean and, and all the mountains. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a wrap. That was, that was Expedition Alaska. It was, it was a great course, definitely one of, one of my favorites. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it, it was. Um, you know, I, it sounded almost... Uh, not like it should have been a race from the sketchy information well, you're yeah. getting. I mean, it really, it really sounded like it's pretty hard. You know, should people really be racing on this? Oh, right. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I wonder that too with, you know, teams that maybe are, are less experienced, but yeah. fact is teams carried satellite phones. Yeah. They were able to get them pretty darn quickly with a helicopter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't want to water our sport down. I mean, we want, no. we want risk. We want challenge. We want adventure. Um, but we don't want to be put into any unnecessary harm. Yeah. And I know talking to, you know, one of the teams, you know, they said, hey, shouldn't we have been warned about these strainers and this and that? And, and I was thinking about it because we were warned about one strainer in particular. Mm. Um, it was actually, like, plotted on our map. Like, watch out for this thing. It will kill you. Yeah. But you, know, you can't plot them all. I mean, exactly. you know, there is some, yeah, you got to take some responsibility. Exactly. And, 
Yeah, I just there, you know, there's there's a big difference between you know this style of racing and and what a lot of races are out there. And, yeah. You know, people love the Patagonia Expedition race. I've never done it, but but the yeah. the type that does that race and likes that race, they like Alaska. Yeah, sounds yeah. It's starting to sound pretty similar, other than uh, in Alaska you don't if you're out of the race you don't have to sit in a TA for three days waiting for a ride back to Puento Arenas. <laughs> yeah, and our, our treks are, were two or three days long with, with a resupply in the middle, and Patagonia, yeah. I guess, they're four or five days long. Yeah. No, yeah. no resupply. <laughs> no, no way to get there. <laughs> no resupply. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you got Cowboy Tough next week. Then anything in up Tell Worlds? or? Oh, let's see. So that's July... August, we're going to do some fun um, mountain bike racing and stuff like, you know, just kind of low-key, single-sport stuff. Uh, and then we're going to do the USARA Nationals. Not quite okay. sure who's going to do that or what. We were talking about maybe two teams. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that one's three-person. It kind of leaves leaves someone out all the time that's been racing yeah. the whole year. Yeah. So that's the first weekend of October. And then, yeah, November is Brazil. Yeah. So what do you uh... – are you looking forward to that with all the water and paddling and yeah i just i'm not quite sure what to expect but i mean yeah. man we spent quite a bit of time in jungles recently so yeah <laughs> kind of know what we're doing in jungles but um yeah. you know i've heard talking to marco and stuff that the animals are, are pretty wild there and yeah uh yeah um, we got, definitely got to work on our paddling because in terms of of you know the top 10 world ranked teams we're definitely not the strongest paddling team um, and I know I personally have been slacking off in the paddling department. I can step up there. And then yeah. I just, the yoga slackers were saying there's going to be quite a bit of pack rafting opportunities down there, which I didn't really realize, but maybe that's something. Uh, well, I think it kind of, what I've seen is it may all depend on what the weather does down there. Mm. Like they've almost got two courses depending on uh, what the rainy season is like. So um, I actually just, Got an email from Shuby today that they're for the media and stuff. Base, sounds like they're going to have a big base camp boat and then a bunch of inflatables for the Whoa. media and stuff to get around. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I actually I haven't really looked at anything yet. Yeah, because I've been, you know, do I want to go? Do I not want to go? Well, they, you know, they've invited me, and I'm like, well. Are you going to be able to see anything? And he said, "Yeah, we think you're going to be able to cover a lot of the course." So, well, and that's because well, it's remote, wet jungle, or yeah, just I apparently like there's no roads, wow. or, or one road to get there. I, yeah, it's a going to be pretty remote. I'm I'm ready for a world championship where they speak English. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, the language is tricky. Yeah, yeah. So, but. Well, cool. I'm gonna. That, that very, very interesting. I mean, you you tell a good story. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> but I'm I knew that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, now maybe I can get out of writing a race report if you get this posted quickly. There you go. I'm gonna. <laughs> I might actually post it a little early so people people can see it. Although then I'm cheating out the uh, silent chasers because I posted theirs late last week. So, but I might uh, I might post this and then tell everybody to look at theirs too so um cool well yeah right, we'll get some rest week. yeah yeah we will so it should be it'd be 
you're going to be in culture shock probably. Oh, yeah. You're probably not going to be wet for seven days again. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> cool. some dry heat. <laughs> I'll bet. So, All right. Well, thanks. All right. So take care. Go fast and take chances, and you can have another couple hours off and then start training again. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Do it whatever